0: From the time we are born, we are placed in a bubble. It may be a result of where we are born, the people we are around, or the information we are given. Our mission here on the Sports is a Job podcast is to pop the bubble and help everyone realize they control their own path. We will interview people working in sports to share their story and provide our take on sport industry topics. Hosted by Colby Castillo and Olivia Poutine, welcome to the Sports is a Job podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports' is Job podcast journey of the Working Sports Professional. I am one half of the podcast. My name is Colby Castillo, and as always, joined by the other half here.
1: Hey, everyone. This is Olivia Patin. Glad to be back for another episode today.
0: Our guest today, um, you know, to describe it, she finds herself in a very unique situation. I think many people do. Uh, she's got a different experiences. We'll we'll jump into a variety of different topics we probably haven't covered in previous episodes. But I would like to welcome Katie Hogue, the assistant director of marketing at USF, to the podcast. How are we doing today?
2: Good. How are you guys?
0: We're great. Doing I mean, good. Here, the weather's beautiful out here. I think you know, compared to Florida, I mean, you probably have the nicer weather. But but let's hop into. If you could, uh, you know, explain to everybody. What it is you currently do when your job entails?
2: Yeah, so right now we are in the planning phases of all of our fall sports. So I currently oversee men's soccer, volleyball, and right now we're planning for those. Hopefully we still have seasons. So we're very pumped about that. We've been on the calls with coaches, uh, internal ops, trying to get game management, SIDs, trying to get all the schedules finalized since we had a team drop out, if everyone doesn't know, Cincinnati dropped their men's soccer program. So we are now currently trying to fix that. So it's just a very interesting time right now, but we are pumped and ready to go for fall.
0: I mean, I have to mention um, <laughs> your pinned tweet on your Twitter. It talks about you were born and raised in Tampa. You went to USC home games, different things like that. I mean, was this always a goal for you? To, go, to make your way to USF from the beginning, or was this just something that just so happened to fall into your lap and an opportunity that came across and you took, took advantage of it?
2: Actually, no, I was actually never expecting to come back to Tampa. So I was born and raised here in Tampa. I moved my senior year of high school, so I was like always the one who was going to be like, yeah, I'm going to stay in Tampa, I'm going to stay in Florida. Um, I actually had in-state residency to Florida and Maryland. So I could have gone to either. Yeah, I could have gone to either or um, I was actually supposed to go to University of West Florida. Um, but my mom, God, she's a, she's an amazing woman, but she's very smart. She gave me an ultimatum. Uh, when I got down to my final two decisions, it was either Frostburg State or West Florida. She said, she sat me down at the table. I'll never forget this. And she sat me down and was like, okay you go to West Florida, you're only coming home two times a year. You're coming home for Christmas and summer. Spring break you're on your own. Thanksgiving you're on your own and any of the breaks you're on your own. Uh, You will not have a car. Uh, You will only leave with two suitcases. If you play sports, your father and I will not be at any of your games and that's how if you go to West Florida. Now if you go to Frostburg, you can have a car. You can come home on the weekends. If you do sports, we can go to your games and it's close to home, so if you want to come home on the weekends, or if you want us to come up for a weekend, we'll gladly do that. And I was like, "So?"
0: So she said she was giving you a choice because that doesn't sound like a choice to me. It, <laughs> it kind of made it decided it, already. Exactly. So
2: that's why like the joke is with my uh, with my brother because he had the same <laughs> issue. He got into West Virginia and Florida State. He was very uh, pressed on going to Florida State, and it was actually hysterical because my da- my brother called and said, "Hey." Uh, I think I just got the same ultimatum you got two years ago. And I was like, she's a very interesting woman. And it's actually really interesting how it was planned out because the way that Frostburg and West Virginia were, we were on the same interstate. So it's almost kind of like my mom planned it out because my brother and I are 45 minutes apart. So they would go pick me up at Frostburg, drive to West Virginia, (laughs) go to like a weekend in West Virginia, watch football, come back, drop me off and go down. It was like a nice big circle. So, we think my mom, like, planned it somehow. We don't know yeah, how. I was going to
1: say, this we it. Yeah, we is no all have
2: <laughs> No clue. Um, but, yeah, no, I was never intentionally supposed to come back to Tampa. Once I left Tampa, I realized there was more in the world than just Tampa. So, I kind of, like, went exploring, and then USF fell in my lap, and I was like, well, I guess it was meant to be to come back for a little bit, which is nice because I have a lot of high school friends that I grew up with that I haven't seen since I left. So like 10 years later, we're all still like, we're back talking like we normally would.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Like for me too, because like how you were saying, there's so much things outside of Tampa, oh, yeah. Florida. Mm-hmm. I, I left home born and raised in Hawaii. I was like, there's so much things outside of Hawaii. Oh, yeah. and, and you find out because this is just your little bubble that you live in. Mm-hmm. Now you said before we got into the, the call or we started recording that you spent one week in the office, uh, when you actually took the job. So tell us about that experience of, of taking the job with the COVID going on, with you being quarantined, with you being a week in. How has it been for you to make the adjustments and really start working, I guess?
2: Um, it was pretty interesting. It was actually more interesting because actually I got offered the job in January um, and I was supposed to be in the office February 2nd, but I kind of tore my ACL. So I oh had to, yeah I had to delay it a month. That's a horrible injury, by the way, if anyone. Oh, yeah, it was horrible I injury. Don't wish that on it. I don't under, like I'm three months post-op and I still can't like jump or run. Mm-hmm. Right? It's awful. So um, kind of like the first week in the office was kind of slow because I was one month post-op. So I was kind of like, I'm still in a, this obnoxious brace. Absolutely hated it. I just got off of crutches. I wasn't allowed to leave Louisiana until I was off crutches so it was kind of like slow moving kind of like sitting at my desk for most of the day if I got up I was always the last one by like 40 minutes because everyone was walking faster than me um but it was kind of interesting because I was trying to understand the dynamic and I feel like once I had that dynamic COVID happened and everyone's like yeah we can't go to the office and I'm just like well I don't okay that's cool <laughs> like, so so like being in this
1: pandemic that we're in working especially like at a big school like usf um, what are some of the things that you've learned and that what are you going to take away once this ends
2: yeah uh, usf is a way bigger school than i anticipated which i absolutely love um, i kind of underestimated it um each person has like their own depart like each department has their own um goals and it's kind of cool because we have this one thing called clusters. and So each sport has a cluster of each person from each department who oversees it. So every week we meet as a cluster and talk about the sports so everyone's on the same page. Whereas the smaller schools, somebody would just do their own thing and then you find out on Twitter or on Facebook and be like, hey, what is this graphic or hey, what's this tweeter? what's this event or if you get to the game be like what is this promo it's so it's kind of nice to know that like even as a big school and as big as USF is everyone is on the same page and it's very nice and very relaxing and Mm -hmm. stress-free.
0: Well previously to USF I mean what were your previous experiences and tell us you know take us all the way back to to when you were in college like what were the actual sports industry experiences that you had?
2: Yeah, so uh previously coming to USF, I was actually uh at Louisiana Tech up in uh, Ruston, Louisiana. So that was kind of like my first I wouldn't say full time because USF is my first full time, but it was kind of like my first by myself experience in college athletics. Um uh, I was the assistant director of marketing over there underneath Kane and Paul Cabas. And it was very interesting and I absolutely loved it. I got to do a lot of stuff by myself. I got to understand um, more of the game of football since my grad school did not have football and I really needed to understand what FBS football was and I think Conference USA did a very well job with that. And I kind of understand how to do music, scripts, how the game is played, how the flow is. Um, If you're losing really badly, I understand how that can be affected by the fans atmosphere. I mean, if football is really getting beaten bad, we're, that's bad. Even if, like, because it's such a long game. It's not like soccer where you know it's over in two hours. Or basketball, you know it's over in two hours. Like, football it's like, five hours. Um, So, that was great. And then before that, I got my first actual true athletics um, experience at grad school. So, I kind of started late in the game in college athletics. Um, I was over at Southern Illinois University, Eversville, like, 16 miles away from St. Louis. So, I did my two-year athletics stint over there. And then before that, I was really pressed on being in the minors. I had four minor league internships underneath my belt during college. So I kind of pushed very, very hard on that. Never had a summer to myself. I was always working, doing some internship. Um, some Like I was traveling, I went back to Tampa. I went to the uh, Charlotte Stone Crabs twice, like summer of 15 and 16. Um, and then I was in Aberdeen with uh, Cal Rifkin doing that thing over there. It was just – I was all over the place.
0: Would you but have done it differently?
2: True, my first true college athletics was grad school. Mm.
0: Would you have done it differently as far as, you know, you talked about you didn't get your real taste of college athletics till later in the game. Um, you spent a lot of time in the minor league baseball organizations and level. Would you have changed it differently as far as would you try to get – More experience in college athletics early on, or do you think that the minor league baseball experience you went through really did help you in the long run?
2: I think the minor leagues helped me a lot more than people think because, in the minors, you do you basically the minors is fan engagement, like the minors does not exist without the funny games, the funny promotions, the great themes, the fan engagements. Uh, just trying to understand uh, what the fans want and how personable you are with them. So I think I would not change a thing because I learned so much about, one, what goes beyond a baseball game. And if people don't know what goes beyond a baseball game, it's literally 16-hour days, 12 days in a row. Like, I have never been so tired in my life besides working in the minors, which helped me in the background with grad school and my GA job together because I was like, well, if I can do 16-hour days, 12 days in a row, like this is a piece of cake. Um, And also help me with crossover seasons in uh, athletics where you have seven days in a row of games. So, no, I I personally enjoyed my time in the minors. I would not change a thing. That's what I always wanted to do, Um, even though it's not my career. It's still something that I treasure because I did what I wanted to do and I set out and I did it.
1: Um, one thing I wanted to ask, cause you talked about those long 16 hour days, you know, you both, the both of us and Kobe, we were all college athletes at one point during our college career did. And I remember m- my very first preseason of soccer and those horribly long days, just being outside running every single practice. Um, did though, did being at, excuse me, <laughs> did <being laughs> help you with. Handling those days, those long days, and the overlap of sports because you did play three college sports.
2: I did, and that's like a piece, a question that people always ask me. Or like, oh, you must have been like so busy. And I actually look back, and I actually wasn't, which is which is so weird. Like I think I was mm-hmm. more busy in grad school with my classes than I was in undergrad. Um, now that might speak very poorly of Division three, but I know some Division three schools that are treat their athletes like Division one. But I was doing athletics because it was not only it was fun, but it was something I wanted to do. So I, one regret I have is I didn't take college athletics seriously as an athlete, which most athletes go back and like, yeah, I wish I went to the gym a little bit more. I wish I would eat Chick-fil-A 14 times a day <laughs> and or go to the cafeteria, and have the all-you-can-eat ice cream three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner um so I think that the way that it was handled I might have been busy but the only time I remember being busy was in grad school where I would stay up and sleep in my office because I had a paper and then I had a game so I was like there's no point in me going home
1: yeah definitely I remember I um I interned at the three open last summer so that was that's like that was the craziest week of my entire life like absolutely most insane week ever because we would have to be at um, the tournament office some days at like 4, 3, 4 in the morning. Yeah. And it would go on until like we were we were not done with everything until every single golf course on the course, golf cart on the course was like tied up and locked. So in some days it went until 1030 at night. And the one thing like I will never forget is like everyone, all the, a lot of the other interns were kind of, convert, no, they weren't kind of, they were complaining about it. <laughs> how crazy this time was and I was just thinking I'm like I literally did this soccer preseason I'm like this is nothing new like it's it's a different like thing that pushed me mentally but I mean I've done this before and I'm used to this and I just I like seeing how people like student athlete experiences applied to like what they do now which that one being a college athlete helped me with that part just because like I'm used to these crazy hours and you know like as a soccer player like I was still working in my athletic department mm-hmm. um, so like I had to even though I was in soccer season I had to help with volleyball i had to help with football so like that really helped set me up I think for what
2: yeah and I think it kind of helped too which is probably why I'm not like so bombarded undergrad all my meets were on the weekends. So I always had I never had a meet during the week. So I was I just went through my entire week, and then we traveled on Saturday morning to our meet and traveled back. So it was like a, it wasn't like these extensive long trips where you travel the day before during the week or like baseball and softball you leave for three or four days. Like we drove to our meets on mm-hmm. the day of a meet. So I think that's kind of what my saving grace was, uh, which is why I didn't play softball, which I was originally going to do because. My major, it just – I couldn't miss class, like, as much as they do. Like, I just – I couldn't do it. So, I was like, okay, well, track and field and swimming are on the weekends. I don't see why that's a problem.
0: You gave up. you gave up. And, honestly, gave up and honestly,
2: for uh, student-athletes, uh, there are these great things called naps that adults <laughs> – Yes. So, when I was a student-athlete, we definitely napped as hard <clears> as we <throat> could. So, and I don't get napped anymore, so that's why I'm like, I don't think I was that tired or that overworked in college, because all you can do is just nap. You go out, you go to class, and you come home and nap, and then you go to practice and go nap. <laughs> like, I wish I could go back to that. I, like,
1: for me now, like, I t- I totally agree with you. Like, when I played soccer, <clears throat> excuse me, when I played soccer, I would nap in between, like, everything. Yeah. And now when I take a nap and I'm in the middle of my internship, I feel bad. Like exactly. I feel, See? I feel bad, so like, like I take a nap. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm only gonna sleep for 45 minutes. And then never. Alarm an goes off. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, 15 more.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, like I like I'm. It's like a Russian roulette with me and Josh gonna tell. I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna take like an hour nap, and I wake up I'm like, oh, uh, I definitely slept for three hours. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: I think, it, I think it's interesting listening to both your, your stories and experiences about, you know, Katie, you working these long days in minor league baseball, Olivia with the 3M, because I think these internships and these experiences help people realize the real of working in the sports industry. It's a dream job. I mean, right? It's, it's a job that every, every college student, every kid, every person wants to do is like, you work in sports? I want to do that. But at the realization of that, there's super long days. Yeah, it's not. Well, it's yeah. not all dreamy as you think it is.
2: Like my parents, I've been in the sports industry for a very long time, just sports in general. My parents did not understand the long hours of baseball, and they do not understand college athletics at all. <laughs> like they just don't understand why uh we have games during Christmas. Like last year was the first time I did not go home for Christmas, which was a shocker to my parents and also me but it was just the realization that like college athletics like there is no off season somebody has to play on these days like it just the long hours the shifting from sports like it's just an industry where people uh really want to be in it and really watch it and under like like say their opinions about stuff and then and then us who work in it you're just like you just don't get it mm-hmm. like yeah like the people when this whole COVID starting was like, Oh, the world doesn't revolve around sports. And I had to step in because I usually don't, but like that really irked me. And I was like, yes, we do. Because we have people who work concessions. We have people who are ushers. We have people who are uh, parking people. Like we have a lot of people in sports that rely on this, not just because of the fans The there's actually livelihoods in this. And I was like, in my job, like I live on sports. So I would love, I need sports to happen or I don't have a job.
1: Mm -hmm. That's, I will never forget. Someone told me like, you know, in sports, like starting pay in sports is crap. And like, it's going to be crazy hours. Mm
2: -hmm. It it is true though. (laughs) Very
1: true. It's it's crazy hours and you really got to love it if you're going to go into this industry. Oh yeah. No one does
2: sports because of the pay.
1: And they tell
2: you that they're lying.
1: Exactly. That's the minors
2: it, the miners, I think, base pay is like twenty-six thousand dollars. hmm It's that's crazy. It, that's a little poverty.
0: But, yeah.
1: but
2: the thing that
1: the thing too is like, you know, if you love it, then it's worth it. You never work
2: a day in your life. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. So what's the uh so Katie, you know, it's interesting because we're talking about the realization and I hope we don't scare anybody away because I realize a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are college students and and young oh. sport professionals. So I hope we don't scare you away. <laughs> but what's the, what's the one thing I guess um, in college that, or when you started to go into the sports industry and, and your years of experience, what is one thing they didn't tell you about the sports industry that you learned after all these experiences?
2: Oh, how attached you are to student athletes. Oh. I love my kids so much. Love them to death. Absolutely love them. Uh, no one tells you how – usually they tell you that the SIDs are the ones that uh, you, like, attach to student athletes and academic advisors, but in realization everyone does. Like, my volleyball girls from Louisiana Tech are probably my favorite people on the planet. Like, we, they still talk to me today and I still talk to them. Um, actually, one of the basketball managers um, who was supposed to do an internship underneath me, but she kind of got that cut short because of COVID, we just got her a GA job. So she's like she was a basketball manager at Tech. Um, and there's just a lot of great people that you meet along the way that I never thought that would happen because in the minors you're not supposed to talk to the players. Like you're not supposed to interact with them because it's a it's unprofessional. So I kind of took that to the college athletics and I realized quickly that's not how that goes.
0: So what's your approach to it's interesting because in, in our sports is job book club that we hold uh, every Thursday we're reading – have you ever read the, read the book Brands Win Championships by Jeremy Darlow? No. Nope. So, so basically that book talks about how brands win championships for college athletics. Like the focus should be on building your brand, the marketing, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned you love student-athletes. But one thing he says in that book is in our marketing approach in college athletics, we should never focus on particular players. We should build our marketing plan around uh, a team – or, or certain values or certain things outside of just the players. So I, what is your approach to marketing or your marketing approach in college athletics when it comes to marketing some of the teams that you're responsible for?
2: Um, I completely agree with that. I think if you just market one person, uh, one person does not win an entire game. You can't win a football game with one person. You cannot win a basketball game with one person. You can't win a volleyball game with one person. So I think if you market the entire team, the entire team feels like, pumped up and like ready to go like okay like we have this game let's go and I'm like okay so I would put it on Instagram story about how the team's pumped up yeah sure if a player if a player knows that they have a great game we're gonna promote them but I think solely promoting a one single player is absolutely ridiculous I do not approve of that at all and I never will do that in my marketing career at all. (laughs)
0: because i mean it is interesting because especially in basketball what if you market you put all your your, you know you market one player everything goes into this one player he ends up deciding to go to leave to the nba early now your marketing plan is all that actually happened um
2: my last (laughs) year in grad school it was um oh my gosh who was that nba player from marie state oh my gosh
0: marie state Hmm.
2: who was that player John Morant, John Morant, John John Morant. So uh, their whole season campaign was about um, him, all of it. Like whenever, and it was even bad when when the team came to SIUE that we were marketing him (laughs) to try to get our fans to come to our games because of him. So, and I found that to be like a slap in the face. I'm like, why are we marketing the opposing team instead of our team?
1: That's funny that you say that because, um, so our social, like I have, I've live tweeted some, sometimes I'll live tweet like certain games or I'll help create graphics for the Gophers when I'm, when there was sports going on. And I remember like when we beat Wisconsin for men's basketball, I wanted to tweet out like something witty, like going against Wisconsin in a way in like fun, respectful way. Yeah. And our social media coordinator, She's like Olivia. You cannot do this. I'm like, (laughs) she's like, we're not focusing on Wisconsin. We're focusing on Minnesota. (laughs) So
2: there's a lot of things I learned in grad school that you can't tweet out.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. A lot
2: of things. Like I probably did everything wrong in the book on my Twitter. (laughs) Like what?
0: I mean, you can't say that and not show all of us um, (laughs) what these uh, things are. My
2: brother went to West Virginia, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: naturally. Um, I became a West Virginia fan, never missed a home game. Um, West Virginia has a very bad relationship with Pitt. Very, very bad. If anybody knows that they do not like each other. So whenever Pitt loses a game, I would tweet out three words that probably shouldn't (laughs) be said on the podcast. But to make it feel better, it's uh, eat, poop, Pitt. And uh, my boss would call me in and be like, Katie, you can't do this. So I learned a lot about social media etiquette. And then I like to transfer that on to my athletes because they do the same thing. I'm like, you guys, you guys can't do that.
0: Well, you went through it to teach everybody else. That was the, that's what the value of it was.
2: I have taught my interns to clean up their Twitters and I'm like, go back a year and still clean it up because people will still get that. Side note,
1: if people are interested in learning about how they can go back and delete tweets, there's a website that I use to go back and delete, like, tweets from, like, when I was
2: 13. Yeah, I think going that far is a little ridiculous. <laughs> because, but I don't know, because people pick that out. Like, if you see, like, NFL, they're like, oh, I was, like, 13. I'm like, why would you even bring that up?
1: Yeah, well, the, I think the way the website worked is it it could only delete, like, three to five thousand tweets at a time and you had to wait like or uh, so long and then they would delete the next couple of ones and I think it starts from when you first started tweeting I, I can't remember the name of the website but I'm sure that there's like other websites yeah,
2: it's just on, it's but, just crazy but yeah no I definitely learned social media etiquette and now <laughs> I don't I don't I'm like I even tell my kids I'm like if you really want to tweet that kind of stuff make a burner use a lock Use a private Twitter. Like I don't care. Just don't make it public.
1: Yeah.
0: That's
1: well, how do point. you think?
0: How do you think the uh, the new NCAA rules with with uh, players being able to make money off their name, image, and likeness? How's that going to affect your job? Do you think?
2: I don't really know. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I might stir up some problems because I don't agree with that mm-hmm. personally. I don't. I don't think they should be paid at all because. I honest, this is the way I think about it, and I'm probably gonna get backlash, and I'm sorry, guys, but it's just an opinion. <laughs> is that you're getting paid with a scholarship, and that a lot of kids don't get that, and it's kind of like that's that's free tuition. Like kids like myself are still gonna be paying off debts till we're like 60 years old. We're still gonna be paying college off. You guys got you guys got college before, mm-hmm. like free rides. So I don't really know. I don't really know I to be to be honest with you I haven't read
1: really into that whole thing I heard but really into it I think it'll be interesting to see how that works though because how are you like how are you going to pay like the star basketball player and not pay someone who doesn't play as much like do you pay them the same price does one get more I think it'll be interesting to see like how that works out again? Like, I don't I'm curious about
2: Title Nine, huh? Oh, yeah. Title Nine. Oh yeah. You're gonna pay a star football player a lot of money. What about female? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I
2: think I'll, it'll be interesting to see how that works too. Because
1: one, like, even if this is the star football player, and let's say there's someone on like the tennis team, like, they're both D1 athletes. They both like, even though football is highlighted a lot more they oh, yeah. put in just as much work um one probably is going to go play professionally another is probably going to go work in the workforce with a normal degree so it's it'll be interesting to see like how they split up that money and i'm really interested to know like where that money will be coming from too because uh
2: yes because a lot of us don't have money because of covid mm-hmm. yeah
1: exactly especially now like you know, like we talked about earlier, the Final Four didn't happen, March Madison happened, all these championship events, like, didn't happen, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the money the NCAA uses comes from those, those championships, so it'll be, I'm really interested to see what, like, what will happen, Um, I think that some, in some situations, like, you know, athletes probably don't get a lot of time to, like, go get a job to make money, which, i can see it happening at certain levels oh, I agree. i'm sure it happens at every level but i'm just i'm personally curious to see like how that will be split up
2: so i'm curious of how they're gonna do this because if they do that with the bigger schools yeah i'm pretty sure the power fives can dish out more money than a group of five or even an fcs school
0: so right. isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't it based on like so from what i read about it um, and one of the particular situations they brought up was there was a football player that started a YouTube channel. And, and you know, if you have a certain amount of views and certain amount of subscribers, you can make money off of it. Mm-hmm. And the NCAA found out about it. What was that?
2: Off of YouTube,
0: yeah. You can make money off of YouTube. I didn't know that, yeah. You can monetize that, yeah. That's how that's how many wrong. people. Like the famous YouTubers, like mm-hmm. these people make millions and millions and millions oh, of just dollars.
2: Stuff like stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I know how they
0: Yeah. So they're they're gonna be like, so for example, like they talked about how a football player, right, who has a brand. Imagine like a, a player at USF. I mean, you're part of the football team, people know who you are, your name. an outside company, a restaurant to say, Hey, would you be willing? I'll pay you a thousand dollars for you to post on your Instagram to tell people to come to my restaurant and they'll get that money on the out from the outside and they get paid in that way. So I can see a lot of different ways where you could see athletes start podcasts, YouTube channels, get money outside places. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. Like you guys said,
2: it might be a backlash because of corporate sponsorships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That would be a huge, because if if you do, if let's say somebody does that and it's a competitor, Who's yeah. gonna, and then the sponge pulls out because they say, okay, one of your football players posted about our competitor. We don't want to give you X amount of dollars. Now we just lost all of our money because somebody wanted to make an easy past $1,000. Yeah. So I'm curious if that's going to be a factor.
1: I'm glad, I'm glad you, you cleared that up, Kobe, because that makes a lot more sense now. I don't remember if you guys, well, I don't remember. I don't know if you guys remember, but I believe during the 2018, 2019, um men's basketball season. I don't know the network, but one of them literally had a Zion cam,
0: yeah, yeah, they had a Zion yeah. they followed him around,
1: yeah, and I like I think about that kind of stuff. I'm like he was gypped of so much money, and it's just like he probably makes a lot of money now i'm obviously, but like Are you sure he's like a, he's like a protege exactly, and I'm like, how much money would he have made off of that like but
2: apparently he's in trouble because he got apparently paid underneath the table
1: I heard about that too actually yep. All right,
2: what was that like a couple of days ago I saw an ESPN yep. and I was like oh now this is interesting and then Josh is sitting there going well did you honestly think that the highest the best player college basketball player wasn't getting anything on our table I'm like no probably not he went to Duke probably
0: not <laughs> they're getting everything like it, it, I think it, it really doesn't matter because no matter how many rules you have the top players like Zion these protégés they're gonna get money somehow under the table I mean it's happened it's happened before it's yeah. happening now it's it's no matter how many rules you put in they're gonna somehow get that money in. and so it'll be super interesting to see now Katie one interesting thing about you and I brought it up before we got on and asked you if you could <laughs> talk about it is your, your, your relationship, your dynamics with your, you know, your relationship with your boyfriend, because both of you work in the sports industry. And one of the things they tell you, right, is you have to travel across the country. You have to travel to places for the opportunities. So I couldn't imagine what it's like to have two people uh, working in the sports industry in a relationship. So please, I mean, share with us how you guys met if you're comfortable and share with us yeah. like, the dyna- dynamic of it.
2: So, Josh and I actually met at uh, NACTA. Mm. Um, so, we met at NACTA in D.C. in 2018, and he was still at Birmingham, uh, or UAB, and I was finishing up grad school, or I was going into my last year. And somehow, we connected very briefly. It wasn't very long. Um, it was kind of like a pass-by, and then we had lunch, and then that was the end of it. And I was like, what? was it July or something like that, it was in July. And it was kind of nice because I was in, it was in DC, so I was home. So I didn't really stay at a hotel. So I kind of went back and forth from my brother's apartment who lives in Virginia. And then we just kept talking and talking. And then for some reason we decided to start dating. (laughs) (laughs) And then he got his new job and um, he actually moved from Alabama, which we were closer. We were about seven hours apart. Um, from St. Louis to Birmingham. And then he got new his new job as director of communications at uh, University of Lafayette um, or University of Louisiana Lafayette.
0: He's um, looking at you.
2: <laughs> no, they like to call themselves University of Louisiana. From being at Louisiana Tech, I don't, so I call them ULL. <laughs> so it's a, whole, it's a whole other story. Um, and then we been trying to figure it out so my last year of grad school we probably saw each other once a month and then we became closer because I moved to Louisiana and you just, like you said you have to move to opportunity so I spent about nine months in Louisiana and then an opportunity became about with uh, Florida and that was probably not the easiest decision to make to move again 13 hours away But like you said, an opportunity arises, you have to take it and I took it and it was, it's been great. Uh, We've been keeping it together uh, with this whole COVID thing. I'm actually down with him right now because we don't get to go back to work till like June. So I kind of spent a month and a half, like the first half of COVID because traveling was just not an option. So now that I kind of relaxed, I kind of flew over kind of spending some time and then when we pick up sports we know that's going to be crazy he is in charge of football so i will not see him at all for football because they travels every weekend so we are kind of taking this in getting like some us time um before you go because athletic relationships like you said are not easy um especially when you have somebody like josh who travels everywhere with his team no matter where he goes so he's gone probably every week gone and then I have to stay at uh, Tampa because I have four, four sports logistically to oversee so I basically have events all weekend but it, it's, it's interesting it's kind of nice um, I would definitely say an athletic relationship you have to both be level-headed and understand each other's jobs because if you don't understand each other's jobs, it just, it just will not work. Because there are days where Josh and I don't talk, like days, because he's he's swamped with work, I'm swamped with work, or there'll be days where I'm kind of like not doing anything and he's swamped and he's like, hey, let me call you uh, tonight and I'll be okay. No. And it's kind of nice. And you get to go and see each other in like the press box, which is kind of <laughs> nice. And get field passes.
0: Whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, like you said, not many people understand what we truly do. So to have, you know, another partner who does understand what college working in college athletics is like, I mean, that's a unique situation because I do have a girlfriend who's not working in college athletics and she's always like, dude, why do you have to stay after hours after the game is right. over? And I, I have to stay. It's my, it's my job. I have to stay until the single one. There's nobody left in the building, but me. And I got to make sure everything's put away. So it is interesting to see that. And and Katie, one last thing. If you could, you know, provide advice for that college student that just graduated with everything going on, what would you tell them?
2: Um, I would tell them don't give up looking for if you wanted to work in college athletics or graduate assistantship. Like I said, we just got one of my uh, kids an internship. She's going over to Wingate in August. So they're still out there. I know uh, Georgia Southern just posted GA jobs. Like there are schools out there that they know they need GA jobs and they understand that kids now are like scared to apply. But don't be afraid. Um, It might be the greatest thing ever and the worst situation ever. Um, And it's also really nice to know that schools are still offering those jobs when everyone else is like for full time is on a, a hiring freeze. So it's kind of like a breath of fresh air that colleges are still like, okay, we can still operate. We can still give kids this chance. Like we need GAs instead of like, okay, everyone else do it. And we'll just won't go with GAs this year. So I would tell kids always keep applying, look for GA jobs. They're out there. You just have to find them. Sometimes they're, you have to click a couple buttons to get there, but I would never give up.
0: I appreciate that, Katie. I think that's important for for everybody that's going through this right now, whether you're looking for your first or next opportunity in sports is to, to look at it with a different perspective. It's an unfortunate thing that's going on, but what this unfortunate situation opportunities may present itself. And you may have to get out of your comfort zone. You may might have to get out of your bubble. You may have to travel across the country, but oh, yeah. Katie, you know, it, it's going to be worth it. I mean, look at Katie, you you've traveled a bunch of different places, took a different jobs, doing different things. And here you are now, um, back at USF as the Assistant Director of Marketing. So I appreciate again, Katie, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Um, we appreciate it. Where can people find you on the social media to connect with you as well?
2: Yeah, so I'm on Twitter, so it's at Katie with a capital K Katie Hoke underscore. It's right. mostly me tweeting about funny stuff and <laughs> whatever I think about or making fun of Josh. Um, like I posted a video of a TikTok that I thought was the greatest thing ever about women going to Target. It was I, phenomenal. I don't know I, if y'all saw it, but it was. I it, was good. it was great.
0: I'm working. <laughs> I'm working on a sports one right now. I'm doing one where you're the the beginning of your sports career, and it just goes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't or, think uh,
2: people from nine to five jobs and do sports.
0: And I should do that. I
2: the nine to fives because it's like oh nope, we gotta go around. It's just also TikTok. I need a I really need to figure out how to use TikTok.
0: We're trying to figure it out as well.
2: It's very complicated. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I don't know how to make this (laughs) place or anything. Like my my student athletes are making like TikTok left or right. And I'm just like, I don't know how to do this.
0: (laughs) It's like rocket science.
2: (laughs) It really is. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I would rather win with Vine.
0: (laughs) Well, everybody who's listening, we appreciate you taking the time. To listen to Kay's story and listen to Olivia and I rant off. But as always, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.